Hello hey. there. Wait, hello there. Hello there. General Kenobi. Um, welcome to the 13th episode of the MSL podcast. We're back and yeah, we're going to talk about sales today. Um, it, no, we're not going to talk about Wolf of Wall Street style sa- sales. Uh, it's Just watched that movie recently. Really good, right? First time. Really yeah, good, right? Finally. Um, to our audience that's below 18 years of age, don't watch that movie yet. Right? Wolf of Wall Street. PG-13. No, it's rated R. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. With all the... Well, we're not going to talk about <laughs> all the other things that make it rated R. We're not talking about that, but... Oh, um, make it great, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie, though. Um, anyway. Happy Halloween. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, October the 27th. So heading into Halloween weekend, I'm gonna be Captain Jack Sparrow for Halloween weekend. I'm, I'm very a pirate. Woo! Yeah, pirate she's gonna be part of my my pirate crew. I'm mm-hmm. the captain, so I'm the captain of the ship. Okay, calm down. Um, <laughs> okay, so sport news. Yeah, we're um, we're heading right into sport news, getting right to the point. Um, yeah. So, and this is new in terms of climbing news. Uh, this is actually the first time that I've seen climbing on like normal news channels like normal sports channels i was very intrigued by that i was at the rec center running and i saw it and i was like you were running yes it's yes. part of race preparation yes um but basically an iranian competitive climber named el naz rakabi i hope i'm pronouncing that right has been in the face of huge controversy lately because during the south korea world cup competition she wore her hijab while competing and that's a big taboo she didn't wear it. oh i'm sorry Oh, that was the exact point of it. She did not wear the hijab. Uh, oh, well, you guys get what I'm saying. So she didn't wear the hijab and faced huge controversy she went, when she went back to her home country. Of Iran. Of Iran. Um, huge media pressure on her at all times and uh, huge pressure from the Iranian government. And peop- she, right now she came out and is talking about like, how she, you know, forgot to put it on. But in reality, everyone pretty much knows that she's just saying that to keep herself and her family safe because she's getting a lot of backlash for this. Um, But the climbing community and the IFSC, which is the International Federation of Sport Climbing, is making sure that they can do all they can to uh, guarantee her safety. Um, But yeah, tensions are high right now with women's rights in Iran. So this is the first time climbing has really been put into that political spotlight. Well, right now, this is like the place where sports and politics merge. Yes. And it's more, well, it's less politics. It's more about human rights and what people have the right to to choose not to wear a hijab mm-hmm. and to show their hair. Um, the, the other thing, like relating to Iran, they're going, well, they were going to the World Cup. At the moment, they're still going to the Soccer World Cup. But Ukraine submitted um, a letter asking to replace Iran, given that Iran's situation um, violates a lot of human rights and you, you don't want to be condoning them in a sport event, which is also controversially held in Qatar when, where they use really bad working conditions for labor. But um, maybe Ukraine replaces Iran for the world, who knows? But it's, it's more than just politics, it's about what people have the right to do. Mm. Um, but transitioning into more, um, more, less serious news about sports in American football, the Chicago Bears 
beat the New England pages 33 to 14. Um, my roommate Buster was really unhappy with the result. He's a big Patriots fan. And yeah, it was an underwhelming comeback from Mac Jones. He came back from injury and he got subbed off for Sappy. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he starred for the Kansas City Chiefs again as they dominated the 49ers 44 to 23. And the Washington Commanders uh, were featuring in this episode as guests. Um, yes. Somebody that works there. I'm not going to say the name. You're going to see the name when in the bio uh, in, in the description of the podcast episode on the YouTube. Title. In the title, yeah. Um, so it's Ari Quick and Close. He works there in Inside Sales Representative, and he saw his Washington Commanders team emerge victorious against the Green Bay Packers in a close 23 to 21 win. So that's good news for wow. Ari. Uh, NBA. The NBA is back! Exclamation point. LeBron James Lakers are win oh, winless. Yeah, they haven't won a single game. Okay, <laughs> winless in four games, and the team finds themselves at the bottom of the Western Conference. What's that again? Uh, all the teams in the Western side of the NBA. So, got it. The NBA is divided: the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, mm. and that's how you know the top eight teams qualify for the playoffs. Right. I'm just saying that for people that don't know. Uh, this pretend that I actually know In the Eastern Conference, oh, I see, I see. In the Eastern Conference, the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers are looking strong with four wins each. And in Formula One, uh, Max Verstappen won the USA Grand Prix at Austin, Texas, and the race got off with a first lap DNF. What's DNF? Did not finish. Did, <laughs> did not finish. Yeah. Did have a word for that? Okay. Yeah, did not finish. DNF for Carlos Sainz. Red Bull also claimed the Constructors' Cup. Are you going to ask what is that? I was going to. Okay, but... I read your mind. So um, every every um, Constructors' team has two racers, two drivers racing for each team, and they each collect points. And there's like the drivers' championship, which for Seppen already won, and it's like the points that each individual driver collects. And then there's the constructors cup, which the table like holds like the added uh, value of points for like both drivers in each in each team. So Red Bull was the most dominant team in in the season by far. Verstappen he's won like 13 Grand Prix already, record tie, uh, record matching. It was going to be record breaking if he wins one of the two that are left. What's your favorite Red Bull flavor? I don't drink Red Bull. Of course. I've never dragon tried Red fruit, Bull. Dragon fruit is the best one. Anyway, um, that's personal news. But Hamilton got second place and Leclerc got third. Oh, and also Fernando Alonso, he was involved in, in, an, in an, like an accident. He was just like off the ground. He was doing like a Are wheelie. Are serious? Yeah, it was. It was the footage? Yeah, we're going to play the footage of, of Alonso's accident. And... And even even after that, <laughs> so he, he kept racing. He finished seventh originally, but then he got bumped down to like 15th because of complaints that uh, other teams filed against him. Hmm. That was sad. Um, That's like, you know, the clip of DJ Khaled. No, no, not DJ Khaled. Kim and Kanye on the motorboat going over. Are you talking the about the, the, who, who, 
Kanye? Did you just mention Kanye on the podcast? Oh, I don't I don't feel that's a good idea right now, given the climate. Never mind, but there's a video that of them on a jet ski like crashing on the beach. Okay, we're gonna insert it. <laughs> oh shit! Oh my god. Okay, continue. Um the Premier League, Newcastle United beat Tottenham Hot Spurs 2 to 1. Uh, this places Newcastle fourth in fourth place one year or less than one year after the Saudi takeover. Um, Arsenal dropped points against Southampton, but they remain top of the table with a two-point lead. And bottom of the table, Nottingham Forest beat Liverpool 1-0. In the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich uh, continue their post-international break form and they beat Hoffenheim 2-0 to capitalize on Union Berlin dropping points. Uh, this leaves Union with a one-point lead at the top of the Bundesliga table, but Bayern are coming. Um, <laughs> in the Serie A, Victor Osimen fired Napoli in front of AS Roma, and Napoli's great form and unbeaten status in the league continues. They're top of the table, and uh, Inter beat Fiorentina 4-3 to with a last-minute goal by Hendrik Mkhitaryan. See, I look look at the last name, Mikitarian. You could probably not read that. Mikitarian. Mikitarian. Yeah. But imagine if you were the one reading that part. I would have figured it out. Sorry. Yeah. My name is hard to say. It's not hard. Amalia. Yeah, you. Everyone else in this world, if it's Amelia. Amelia. Um, the Champions League, Barcelona, Ajax, Atletico Madrid, and Juventus and Sevilla. What do they all have in common? Uh, the answer to that is oh. that they got relegated <laughs> to the Europa League. <laughs> They're not going to be in the Champions League anymore. Uh, Bayern beat Barcelona away at Camp Nou 3-0. Bayern has won seven of the last eight games against Barcelona. And they've scored 29 compared to Barcelona's four in the last eight games. Um, to simply put it, there are levels to this game and Bayern is above Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Napoli and PSG continued their unbeaten run in all competitions, while Madrid lost theirs. Um, they lost three to two against RB Leipzig on the well on the match following the death of Red Bull's uh, former owner. Oh no! Yeah, he died. Um, and then but Red his Bull. Favorite flavor was dragon fruit. I don't even know if he drank it. Drank like How Steve can Jobs. You not drink well, your Steve own Jobs' kids drink. weren't allowed to have like a knife and stuff like that. Okay. So, I mean, he probably knows what's in Red Bull. And maybe there's something. I wrong. would be concerned if he didn't. Maybe there's something wrong with Red Bull. Who knows? We, we can't speculate. That would be conspiracy theory. Uh, but now that we're done with our recap, hope that you're enjoying the content. Last podcast was amazing. Last episode, it did so well on YouTube that um, we're really proud. Also, uh, we're going on Spotify soon, so keep up, yeah. keep up for that, I guess. Yeah, we're going to be in two places. Joe Rogan is, gonna, is shaking right now. He's shaking because yeah. he knows he's going to have competition. Just wait. We're coming. Just wait. Maybe he buys us out. I don't know. Uh, but um, we would love to have Joe Rogan on this podcast anyway. Oh, my gosh. But uh, until then, uh, keep listening. Listen to this interview that's coming up with Ari and Madison Perlmutter. You're going to love it. It's um quality entertainment <laughs> yes um see ya hi everyone uh welcome to our 13th episode of the msl podcast we are thrilled to have 
Madison Perlmutter Account Executive at the New England Revolution, and Ari Quitkin Close, Inside Sales Representative at the Washington Commander. Both of them are UMass alums, and Ari and Madison, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Appreciate thanks. It. So first, we're just going to go over like a brief summary for both of you guys, um, your sport management jury. Oh, my gosh. Sports management journey so far, including your internships and uh, just up to date on your current position, just to give a brief background. So if anyone wants to start, you can just kind of go through. All you, Ari. All right. So um, I graduated from UMass Amherst uh, May of this year. So I graduated in May of 2022. And I think I definitely had a uh, not so classic uh, journey to get to where I am today. Uh, that being said, you could argue it's the most classic. So essentially what I mean by that is I never had an internship within the sport industry throughout my entire years of school, never had a summer, summer internship uh, with the Washington Commanders, never had a summer internship with an agency, nor any other team. Uh, I worked as a camp counselor at the summer camp that I had been going to for years. Uh, I just loved it there. And this past summer was actually the first summer in over 12 years that I had not been back there. But that was my summer up until this past summer. Uh, that said, um, I want to say it was the beginning of my sophomore year. So this was back in 2019 at this point. Uh, I attended the career fair held by ADS. So shout out Madison for putting that on, uh, where I met um, a lovely gentleman by the name of Sam Barlow. Uh, he happened to be a UMass alum as well. And he was the inside sales manager for the Washington Wizards at the time. So he was the first person to ever put the idea in my head that sales in sport was an actual trajectory for work and what I could actually be doing. So never really thought of it as a possible career option before, but Sam essentially told me that if you like talking to people and you have some patience and you have a passion for sport and helping people make memories, which it seems like you do, you'll be in a great spot here. So I was told, I was like, all right, I'm going to work for the Washington Wizards. Let's do this. Move me out to DC tomorrow. Bear in mind, I was still a sophomore. So I, I had some time. So what we ended up doing was Sam and I decided that we would have a monthly phone call uh, every month going forward to just kind of stay in touch. I would update him on what I was doing. He would update, him, update me on what he was doing. And we would just work from there. So that's exactly what we did. And beginning of my senior year, um, he takes an external promotion and joins the then Washington football team. So I see the notification come in on LinkedIn. I'm like, uh-oh, I guess I don't have a job with the Wizards anymore. And he texts me probably five minutes later when I see that. He goes, I'm guessing you saw my new job. You still have an offer with the Wizards. That said, let's talk about the commanders too. So we ended up talking shop and he let me know about his vision and the whole front office's vision for what they were trying to accomplish and what they were trying to do in our rebrand and really just changing the culture of this front office. And he sold me on the vision of what we were trying to create. So by the end of my senior year, uh, I knew where I was going. Uh, this was January of this year at this point. So January, 2022, about to start my spring semester. And I had accepted this job. So it all came down to the relationships I made with another UMass alum while I was already there. And that's why I'm here now. I guess it's my turn now. 
<laughs> so yeah. I have a pretty similar story actually to Ari. Um, I also did summer camp throughout my summers of college. Um, I did a lot during the school year, whether it was with UMass Athletics, the sport management department, sport management clubs. I was involved with club sports and held leadership um leadership uh, positions with them. So I was like, I want to enjoy my summers off the grid. Um, so I ran a summer camp in Alabama. I turned my phone off for 10 weeks and I would just kind of enjoy my time to myself. Um, so I was a 2020 graduate. Um, so one of those lovely COVID ones. So I had a job with the revolution my senior year spring semester. Um, again, UMass alums, you all um, interviewed my manager, I think two episodes ago, Nick. Um, so I worked for him. So I knew Nick and the inside sales manager, Tyler, at the time, since my sophomore year of college. Um, from them coming to campus, I ran the career fair. So I met them through that. We did revs events with them and came to games. So I already had a relationship with them. Um, I never wanted to go into sales. Didn't ever want to do it. Um, Sam Barlow, Ari's manager, had talked to me about it. I had a couple other conversations, kind of led me the route. Um, I also enjoy talking to people, so might as well get paid to talk to them. Um, so then I found myself second semester senior year in the room with Nick and Tyler um, asking if they were hiring. Um, and I pretty much got a job like two days later. Um, so internships summer-wise, I mean, I did. I ran a summer camp, so it wasn't just, you know, not doing anything, but it was definitely being involved, having internships during the school year that also helped me a lot. Well, I, I feel like many times it's about that first internship or that first connection, because sometimes, especially like freshmen, sophomores, they find networking and finding an internship so overwhelming. But once you, you get that first connection that really interests you and, and then you get momentum, it's straightforward in, in a way. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that, Marco. Another thing I would say is the piece of it, when I'm asked, like, what's a piece of advice you would give? It's actually a quote from a uh, UMass professor, Will Norton, I don't know, uh, from him specifically, or if he coined it elsewhere, but I'm going to take it now. Uh, it's not who you know. It's not what you know. It's who knows you. So making sure that you're getting in touch with people in the industry, especially UMass alum and making sure that you, you make a good impression and keep fostering those relationships because like you said, it's a small industry and it can be tough to break into, but once you know somebody, the doors are wide open. Right. And I had a question actually, Ari, for you because you brought up that you had like a monthly phone call. So uh, your manager brought that up, right? You didn't feel like, do you think it'd be a good idea to kind of, like dabble yeah. in that with your students? Absolutely. Like how, do you, how would you Absolutely. approach that? Um, so I think the, the biggest thing that students have as a tool in their tool book is the fact that you are a student. And everyone, I would say pretty much 99 out of 100 people who work in the sport industry are only there because somebody helped them out when they were a student. And it's all about paying it forward, right? So you're in a unique position as a student where you can reach out to pretty much anyone on LinkedIn. And as long as you are polite about it, you can ask them for an informational interview and just create, break the ice that way. I mean, like if anybody reached out to me at this point was like, Hey, I'm a student at UMass. Um, I saw you're working for the Washington commanders in sales. I'm beyond intrigued. Can we set up a call to talk? I'm saying yes, every single time. And I think at the end of that first call saying like, Hey, I really enjoyed this. I gained a lot. 
can we make this a, a monthly thing? Can I throw some time on your calendar? Again, I'm saying yes every single time. So I think that's an awesome way to show initiative, show you really care about this. You want to grow yourself. You want to grow your relationships and connections. I think there's no downside. So I also, I'm just going to add one more thing, if you don't mind. Um, the career fair that runs every year on campus. So being from, I'm from North Carolina, so not in the New England area. So summer internships kind of weren't a thing that I was looking for up here just because I had nowhere to live. Um, so using that career fair as a tool to network, to find those initial connections right from the start. It's in person. It's really easy to just go up to the table and just be like, you know, kind of do an informal inf informational interview right there. Um, that's kind of where I got a lot of my connections from my freshman, sophomore year. So then when it was really time to look for a job that junior, senior year, I already had made those connections um, in person and like got to know those people. So um, the field of sales, it's something that many people don't really understand what, what it is. They know it's, you're selling something. But um, one of the questions that we, we have is what does your average work day look like? What are some things you get done every day? Yeah, I can start with that. Um, so mine is going to be a little different than Madison's. So I'm in inside sales right now. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, inside sales is essentially the entry level role within any front office revenue generation side of the business, right? So the goal of inside sales is to help you understand where you want to go within the organization. So there's, there's three different sides to it. There's uh, the membership service side of things where you're on the renewal and retention side, working with current season ticket members to make sure that they renew year in and year out. And you have a massive book of business. You're probably working with 500 to sometimes even up to a thousand ticket member accounts. And you're working to service them, make sure everything is going well. Uh, you want to make sure that you're sent, you want to be the one to send them a holiday card on, on the holidays, wish them a happy new year. You want to remember that little Billy from the Jones family, his 10th birthday is coming up and you want to give him a little gift on game day. So that's the membership service side of things. Then there's the new business development side of things. That's where Madison will, will touch on. And that's on like the, the heavy selling to businesses side, really focusing on the season tickets, the premium side of things. Then there's group sales, which is focusing on larger group outings for single games. So inside sales, the role of that is to figure out what you want to do out of those three. And then you can get promoted to one of those three teams. That's how it usually works. So for me, my day is a whole mess of a different amount of things. So I might be doing outbound phone calls for a few hours just to try to talk to just random people in the DMV area to see if they're interested in coming out to some games. Like, And one of those phone calls could turn into a massive sale for me. And then other times where I have a youth football team coming down to the stadium because they want to see a tour of the locker room and they're going to be doing a group outing with me later in the season. So it could be doing a tour for them. Uh, it could also be just helping out in whatever way is needed. So if one of my teammates has a tour coming down to the stadium and they call out sick, I'll happily step in and be like, Oh yeah, I'll help you out. It's no problem. So it's really just the call that day um, of what it's going to be like outbound phone calls, giving people tours in person, uh, setting up out of office meetings. So like a two from two to two twenty five today, 
I was on the phone with an apartment complex in the DC area, uh, working with them to see if we can set up discounted group tickets for uh, the Atlanta Falcons game, right? Which is week 12. So just things like that. Um, never a dull moment. That's for sure. It's always something new, which I like also. So it never gets old, which is a great thing. Ari, is your program like a year long or how does, what does your program look like? On that yeah, sense? that's a good question. So it depends. It depends. Um, we are currently in month five uh, since we started. We started in early June and people have gotten promoted, I think, as early as five months. And some people, it takes them a year. So technically, it's an eight to 12 month program. That being said, if somebody is doing really well, showing they're a great teammate, uh, working their tail off. And the cool thing about sales is it's it's production based. If you are working and you are getting results, it is impossible to not notice. Like the leadership team and our management team, they'll see it because it's very clear. It's measurable. And I like that. So if you're doing well, you don't have to wait eight to 12 months. You can, there's, if there's room for, for promotion and you've earned it, you'll get it. Yes. Yeah, so when I originally started at the Rose, that's pretty much what kind of what my day to day was like. I started in inside sales. Um, so that entry level position where it was, you know, making 60 plus phone calls a day, email blast, just reaching out to single game buyers, trying to get them to come to more games, getting them to one of our packages. Um, if that led to a group sale, led to a group sale. Um, but it was very, it was the grind. Um, so I was in there for six months before I got promoted to our business development team. Um, so now my days look very different than inside sales. Um, so our business development team is a strictly email-based campaign system. So I'm sending a lot of cold emails. And when the companies are hitting us back saying, yes, I'm interested in talking more, that's when we set our meeting. Um, so we're starting to try to do more in-person meetings and going out to businesses and going to their offices and talk, sitting down and talking with them. Um, you know, like everything zoom these days, people working from home. So we're trying to find the balance there. Um, but I'm also in, in an interesting part where I'm doing half groups, half business development. Um, so I've taken a lot of our traditional group nights. So I do girl, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. I've taken over our weather education day. Um, so it's like a field, it's like a lot of our field trip days. So I have like 3,500 kids in the stadium. Um, we partner with our local news station. They learn all about weather and then they get a ticket for that upcoming game. Um, so we're trying to expand that out into a couple different other education days and kind of see where that looks like. Um, so yeah, I do a little bit of both. So it's a lot of talking to businesses, employee outings, premium assets, our club spaces. And then it's you know, talking to Girl Scouts and Boy Scout group leaders and saying, bring your troop out for a fun night. They get a patch. So get a combination of both on my end. So that's really interesting. So for both of you guys, um, you mentioned that you kind of were like learning on the job a little bit. Um, I'm kind of wondering, or we're wondering, was it easy? How did you figure out that you wanted to go into the discipline you're going on? Did you get help from higher ups? for any of this or how well prepared did you guys feel when going in? Like getting promoted out of inside sales or going into inside sales? Uh, I guess, I guess both, but whichever one you feel like more strongly about. So I'll kind of talk about the promotion side and moving out of inside sales. And then Ari, you can touch on going into inside sales. Um, so funny story about my 
promotion time. I hope I'm, I'm allowed to share the story, but I actually applied to be in our youth soccer team. Um, there was two openings like month three that we all got here. I started with a class of six, four out of the six of us were all UMass grads. Um, and so all six of us put our names in the hat to apply for this role. Um, so I made the top three and then I didn't get it for that position, which is fine. Held a grudge for about three months. It's all good. We moved on. Um, but I thought I really wanted to go the youth soccer route of business. They do a lot of relationship building. You get a region at your region that you stick with them and you just try to grow the nights year after year. And I really like the relationship side of sales. And that's kind of what brought me to sales. Um, and the business development world scared me. Being a woman in sports, I'm already a minority. Being a woman in the premium side, um, the corporate side, I was like, this is terrifying. Like, how am I supposed to go and sit here and talk to CEOs and presidents all day long? Like, no one's going to take me seriously. Um, so Nick was a really big part in that decision of, no, you could actually do this. Like, this is something that you'd probably be really good at. Um, so I was talking with the management and saying, what does this role actually look like? I also had a conversation with every single rep in that um department and saying like what does your day-to-day -day look like what do those meetings look like it was hopping on meetings beforehand and really just getting to understand the role um and i love this role and i'm glad that i am in this position um and i'm doing really well in it so it's definitely having a good manager is probably the number one key to your success at your job um and it's being able for them to lead you in the right direction where they think you see fit that's awesome, Madison. I love that. Um, on the side of coming into this role from UMass, I will tell you when professors tell you that the McCormick department is the best board management department in the world, they're not messing around. Um, I don't want to sound arrogant or conceited, anything like that, but I definitely think I was out of my house the most prepared person coming in. Um, some of that is due to a lot of that is due to McCormick. Some of that is due to the fact that I had two years of monthly phone calls with my boss to train me beforehand. That certainly helped as well. Um, but the resources that we have available in McCormick, astronomical help. So the fact that I had gone to three sales summits, uh, put on by the leaders club, um, before going into this role helped me in a very big way. I'd gotten training from the commander's front office, the New York Mets front office, the Washington Wizards front office, San Jose Sharks, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so I'd, I'd gotten training from some of the industry's best throughout my time at UMass. And it's because of my time at UMass that I think I was so well prepared coming in here. And on, on the promotion side of things, it's got me to a point of production wise anyway, where I'm now in a great position to when promotions do come around, I know I'm in a spot to be one of those people. That's definitely a nice feeling. So um, what, I, what I get from both of you is that it's a lot about taking initiative in sales. You, you want to be the one that makes the call. So when you take initiative, most of the time, you've got to be the first one to, to make it, the first one to find this client, the first one to recognize an opportunity. So how is the work-life balance that you're getting when you're working really hard right now? Yeah. Um... Full transparency, minimal. Um, that being said, I am loving every minute of this. So the fact that I would say my life is broken down into 75% work right now, 25% other, the 75% does not feel like work. 
I mean, I was at the Green Bay Packers game working with a group. So I sold this youth football team um, about 65 tickets to the Packers game, right? And because they got so many tickets, I was actually able to give them this amazing experience where they got to be the ones on the field pregame holding the flag for the national anthem, right? So I was able to see 60 of these youth football kids, like 10-year-old kids, just have the ability to have this once-in-a-lifetime experience where they're holding the flag for the national anthem. Aaron Rodgers came over, started throwing them passes. Um, I think the whole Packers offense came over, started giving them high fives. So it's just times like that where it's just beyond rewarding. And you can just see the impact that the job actually has on people. So the fact that the balance is not great, that said, loving every second of it. And the cool thing about inside sales, one of the most underrated parts in my eyes is that me personally, I was starting with 10 other people who were in the exact same situation as I was. We just moved across the country to DC. Some people moved from the West Coast. Some people were moving from Texas, some from Tennessee, some from Minnesota. We had some from the Northeast like myself. And all of us were going to do the exact same thing, all in the exact same position. So you have a built-in group of friends. So when I'm like Friday, if we get off early, right, and we're going to a happy hour, I have friends who are going to come with me. So like when I say it's 75-25, that 75 is me hanging out socially with people from work too. Yeah, I would agree with most of that. I think inside sales is a grind. Um, I was definitely in the office early mornings, late nights, um, but it was worth it. Um, I also, again, it it didn't feel like it was like dragging by any means. Like you're sitting there, you're talking to people on the phone. The office has a really good environment where everyone's on the phones. You know, you're leaning back. You're talking about some funny calls you just had. Someone just hung up on you. You're laughing about the old man screaming. Like it's a fun office to be in and a fun setting to be in. So it never felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my brain here. Um, now that I'm in this role, I get a little bit more leadway um, in my time. I'm not sitting there just making calls all day long. Um, so again, the balance has definitely gotten better moving out of inside sales. Um, but there are game days. I mean, you get an off season in sports, you know, hopefully, you know, you're not, you know, unless you're in like college athletics or anything like that, but so like we're in our off season right now. So, you know, we got to have two weeks of breathing time. Um, and now we're slowly picking things back up, but you get those, you know, our off seasons right through the holidays. So like, I'll get to go home, um, to North Carolina for a couple of weeks and like see my family, um, which is really nice. So it's work hard, play hard. Um, and again, like our office, we're a fairly young office as well. Um, so I'm pretty close with a lot of people that I work with. And like tonight, our whole company does like socials once a month. So like, and it's a costume one tonight. So like me and one of my coworkers are dressing up and we're going to the social tonight. Um, so it's fun. We get to do like company outings and things to make it, you know, worth it. We get sales contests, we get really cool rewards. Um, so they definitely make it fun. So it's not like, you know, a boring desk job where you're losing your brains, not talking to anybody. Well, that's comforting to hear. Um, pretty much all of us have that same fear. But we're also wondering, uh, what is one of the biggest challenges the sports sales field is facing right now? And how are you guys tackling it if you are? Because I realize you said like on and off seasons. Um, I'm just curious if that has to do with anything. You said biggest challenge and just sales in general? Yeah, like sports sales, like just kind of, what the industry is facing maybe currently? 
I mean, for us, it's selling in a really in a market where you have the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, and the Bruins. So all of a sudden, you go, oh, you want to come to a Revs game? And their response is, what are the Revs? Um, so it's that's our biggest challenge. Um, also, that we're not in Boston. Um, we have pros and cons to that. So that's kind of like personal for the Revs, kind of the struggles that we see, um, that it's just a really populated sports market. People are like, could care less about soccer. It's not a sport. We're like, oh, well, it is. Thanks. But um, but we we have our ways around. We've got to sell them on it. That's our job. Um, but, yeah, it's really just kind of diving down deeper into what they mean by what they're saying, kind of going, finding ways around it. Yeah. Um, mine is very different. Um, people know the Washington Commanders. Uh, that's for sure. People are passionate to say the least about this team. Um, that being said, the biggest struggle our front office is facing and me on the front lines on the phones is facing is that it, you hear the same things I do. Um, the media does not like us very much. Um, there are definitely were some issues a couple years back um, that are very real and not going to shy away from that. That being said, what my goal is, is I was brought in to be part of that change and be part of that culture change. So being able to explain that to people and then show them what we have going on now and how we're really prioritizing fans these days and making a massive shift culturally in the front office is beyond rewarding. And I just love being part of that change because I wouldn't be here if it was going to be an easy job. If I was just going to be picking up the phone and being an answering machine to sell tickets, I could do that anywhere. But I've, I see this as an awesome challenge and it's a cool uphill battle to be fighting. So that's definitely, without a doubt, the biggest challenge we are facing right now is just backlash from people when they see stories in the media. Because the fact is, so some of what they're saying is real. Some of it's not, but some of it is. And being able to respond to that in a professional manner while still understanding like we have a job to do and we're, we're, our goal is to fill the stadium. So the, the thinking here is like, as long as we can do that, we can do it anywhere. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool notion to understand like this is an awesome challenge and it's an awesome test. And if we can manage to, to get through this, whew, we are an unstoppable team. Well, I, I love challenges and we should all love challenges because that's how we grow. That's how everybody grows. I'm from Florida. Didn't know anybody here in UMass. It was an amazing challenge and I love it here now. So the, the most the, the most challenging things, most of the time they have the biggest reward. Because <laughs> we, we didn't have... If we didn't have challenges in sales, me and Ari wouldn't have jobs. So Exactly. Yeah, when, when you take a big risk, you you can get a really good reward. I'm not saying that gambling is a good idea, though, but... <laughs> um, I'll tell you, we are very much not allowed to. So <laughs> we'll leave that to you. Um, so when you were on your first day at the job, how, did, how well prepared did you feel? How did you feel that UMass had prepared you for, for that? I got all, it. Yeah. All you. Um, I'd say the biggest thing coming in day one is it's for me anyway, it was more a, a social shock than anything else. I was just blown away by how welcoming everybody was. I don't think that's anything that like school could prepare you for or anything like that, but 
coming in, the energy on our sales floor was just unmatched. Like there was music blasting through the place. Uh, everyone was coming over saying hello, introducing themselves, making sure I knew that I could go to them if I ever needed anything. I was just beyond appreciative of that. So I think coming in like day one, it's just a, a massive social shock. Like you're going to have 50 plus new friends pretty much immediately. And that's just a pretty wild thought. So that, that was pretty amazing. Um, like I said, though, you, UMass definitely prepared me immensely. Like when it came to knowing how to reach out professionally to someone, I knew that not all my colleagues did. When it came to understanding how to like navigate a professional conversation, I knew that because of UMass and my experiences in the clubs and in leadership within the clubs. But some of my colleagues did not. So just massive leg up, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say I was very fortunate that half the Rev staff is UMass alums, so I knew a lot of people uh, on the first day. Um, one of the kids I started with, what I was really close with him since my freshman year of college, um, and we sat next to each other. And then um, just like other staff that I knew through clubs and through classes. Um, so I knew I had familiar faces walking in on the first day, um, but I never realized how much sales experience that you get through UMass until I was going through training and was like, oh, I kind of did this, um, which was really cool to see. Um, so like getting companies to come out for the career fair, like to me, I didn't think that was selling. That was a hundred percent telling them to come out to the career fair um, and doing different things. Like I took a lot of, I was like the point of contact for high school students interested in coming to the sport management department. So I take them on tours and sell them on why they should come to the department. To me, I'm just like saying the McCormick's number one, like, come here you won't regret it and like that sales um it was just a really easy sell because mccormick was the number one department um so it was really cool to kind of see like it came everything full circle everything that i did in during college through my time there everything came full circle when i got on the phones and was like oh now i'm just selling fun family time at soccer games instead of classes <laughs> Well, sales is such a universal skill, you know, all the, every conversation you're having, you're selling an idea, you're selling yourself, even when you're telling a joke, you're selling the joke. And, you know, if it sells, that's, because for you. The per Sorry. that's not hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Only my dad jokes can get that response. But um, what is something that, that you think would complement what you get at UMass? What skill or habit that somebody can develop? Yeah, uh, that's a good question, Marco. Um, I'm going to do what I do best and I'm going to take a, a quote that I got from somebody else and relay it. So my freshman year, I asked the exact same thing to the director of inside sales from the New York Mets and his answer stuck with me heavily. Um, and we're going to roll with that. So when I asked him that he told me that the best advice he could give me was to seek out people at school that I would not normally click with or have or be in my circles and find ways to connect with them. So what he meant by that was just seek out people that you are not normally going to be friends with and just find ways to talk to them, find ways to connect with them because you'd be surprised how much you can grow your social circles. And two, it'll get you comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable. And in sales, that is one of the best skills to have because asking people for money is not a natural thing. It can be a little daunting at first. But if you get into the comfortability of being uncomfortable and understanding that that's okay, and that's more than okay. And if you just start with it in a social setting, no pressure whatsoever. 
Best case, you have a new great friend. Worst case, you are right back where you started. I think I'm going to take that one step further and say, go experience things, go experience the world, go experience the country. I know like not everyone can travel everywhere, but in order to like connect with people, you got to get out and see places, read things, go, go somewhere. Um, I was very fortunate during my COVID forced gap year um, that I got to go out to South Dakota and work on a ranch. Um, the amount of people that I would talk to on the phones about South Dakota was insane. I think almost every conversation, someone knew someone in South Dakota, there was some connection or, and I took three and a half weeks or two and a half, three weeks to get out to South Dakota. So I did like a cross country road trip. So I got to see half the country. Um, that came up on almost every single one of my conversations, just trying to connect with people. Um, so that really helped me. So if you have the opportunity to study abroad, Marco, you said you came from Florida, like being able to you know, kind of grow your experiences is also going to really help you connect with people um, and kind of give you those soft skills that you need. I think it's a really good point because not a lot of people focus on like the non-academic stuff that you can do uh, in college. And I think that's like where you learn the most from. Um, yeah. Being a yeah. not so good student in the classroom, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, the final question well it's something that really complements you when when you become more relatable by having experiences that other people have <laughs> it's you, you want to expose yourself that's why we're going to study abroad right amelia yeah we're studying abroad yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so we have one question that i want uh, to ask to each of you separately and is what is one question you wish that we would have asked you and how would you have responded a good question um i think the the biggest thing or i i always get asked like what what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to your your past self if you could go back right and i think what i would love to see myself have done earlier is become a better storyteller i think that in the in the sales world especially when you're a client facing person like myself and are working with, with clients is to understand the, the impact and power of storytelling. And what I mean by that is when, when we're selling, especially like in the commander's front office, our goal is to be relational sellers, right? We don't want to be purely transactional. We don't want to just take somebody's card, give them tickets and call it a day. We want to be able to know that we formed a relationship with the client. We've learned why they need tickets or why they would want tickets. And then we're recommending a product based on what we've learned about them and what they could what they could want right but if i'm just cold calling somebody there's no way i'm going to be able to get to that level of trust with a person without sharing a bit about myself so on every single phone call i am now in the process of telling stories about myself so if i'm talking to somebody about a group outing i'm going to share about the time that i went to fenway park as a kid and a group sales representative from the red sox singled me out in line brought me onto the field before the game to represent my camp. And that's the moment that I fell in love with baseball and sports as a whole. And I remember to this day, I went back home that night, told my mom, when I'm older, I want that guy's job. And now when I'm able to say that exact same thing to a client on the phone, it, it humanizes me and it makes them realize, oh, this isn't just some sales rep trying to be a sleaze bag and take my money. This is a real guy who has purpose behind his job and 
wants to give back in a way. And once, in my opinion, once I got better at storytelling and really painting a picture for people and really diving deep into why I do what I do, my life got easier. And at the same time, I felt like I was helping people rather than selling them, which is awesome. And on the flip, selfishly, I started doing a lot better. So all good things in my eyes. So I'm going to take this a little bit of the opposite route. And if Nick's, if you asked this question to Nick, he might've said the same thing. I like, I'm still getting through his podcast. Um, but he, he has a famous question that he asked everyone um, during the interviews. And now it's kind of a running joke through the ref staff when someone starts, they're like the famous Nick question. So it's like, when you're not at work, when you're not working, when you're on your weekend, hanging out with your buddies, like, what are you guys doing? So kind of just like the personal side of things, you know, you talked about that work-life balance. So like, what does that life balance look like? Um, so for me, like I ride horses, so it's being outside, it's riding horses, it's going hiking, it's just getting away, it's um, un- disconnecting. I hate my phone. I'm one of the anomalies here that I never have it on me. Um, so if I'm away from my phone, I'm in a happy place. Uh, but yeah, I think it's being able to find that balance of getting away from work, you know, finding your where your happy place is outside to keep you motivated in work. So Ari, what are you doing when you're not working? So when I am not working, I am so beyond blessed of the apartment that I'm in. I am lucky enough to, during the baseball season anyway, my rooftop in the apartment looks directly into Nats Park. Huge baseball fan. So you live in John Becker's apartment building? I am across the street from John Becker's apartment. (laughs) Actually, no, we actually, we used to live in the same building. Then he moved across the street. Okay. So yes, I am in John Becker's building. Okay. Um, so during my free time, you will often find me grabbing a drink with John, um, or going up to the rooftop and making new friends on the roof and uh, watching an ads game. There are also a ton of concerts in there. So being able to like see the Bad Bunny concert or Elton John when he was in town just from the roof—that's really cool. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be in D.C., which is an awesome city. So. Exploring the monuments, that's been really fun. Never been able to do that before. So in the free time, just exploring, um, enjoying the fact that I'm in a new city with no real responsibility besides work. And it's pretty incredible. What are you two doing in your free time? Uh, Right now, it is kind of like a free time we're podcasting. (laughs) Um, I'm mostly at the gym. Uh, He's always at the gym. (laughs) I need to start doing that myself, not going (laughs) to lie. I go to the climbing gym, but he goes to the rec center. Oh. Every I just started there. climbing. Oh, really? That's I awesome. have bruises everywhere. Yeah, it gets better though. Like it does it. to like it. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> I like bouldering. Gym by tandem. Yeah. Like the one on Route 9 and Hadley. Oh, Central that's CRG Rock? Hadley, yeah. yeah. That's where you go? Yeah, that's where the team practices and stuff. But they're building one at UMass, right? Yeah, they are. It's opening. No I'm way. Apartment building um, next That's fall. Exciting. So might work there. We'll see. Are you on the climbing team? Is that what he just said? Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Fun time. Are you like bouldering? Where you like shoot up the? Yeah. Do that. All of it. I love it. We go outside, like to Farley. So I. That's my my weekends are just outside climbing. That's so. awesome. That's we awesome. had um this one. I worked at the White Water Center in Charlotte for a couple of months, which is like an adventure center. And you have a climbing wall that drops into a pool. So there's like, it's yeah. like bouldering up the wall and dropping into the pool. I tried to do that a couple of times. <laughs> it's rough. 
I, I went rock climbing in, in North Carolina once and it was like in, in an actual like mountain. Yeah. It was it was such an amazing experience because the, the landscape in North Carolina, South Carolina, all that, it's beautiful. Yeah. So the mountains are awesome there. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not I'm not a big rock climber. I've done well, it like a couple of times. It'll change. Sorry. It'll change. <laughs> but um how can Eisenberg students reach out to you? Um I'm an open book. Um I mean, you you have my email, Marco. Um, I'm sure you have my number as well. Dish it out to whoever wants it. Um, I'm always happy to hear from someone in Eisenberg. I'll be even happier if they're from the Leaders Club, but I don't I don't discriminate. So anyone, feel free to dish out my contact info. Genuinely, always happy to talk. People can connect with me on LinkedIn. Whatever's easiest for them. Happy to chat always. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Ari, but we're not as important where our LinkedIn boxes are completely full and don't ever check them. So LinkedIn, email, phone, it all works. Uh, yeah, you, you can speak for me on that. I'm definitely not important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because LinkedIn, I mean, if you have that McCormick student leaders or that you go to the McCormick Institute of Sport Management, you can start from there. Institute. Department, department. <laughs> you, 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 I mean, that's how I connect with people. With That's like my excuse. That's my foot in the door. And it's a great foot in the door. It's a really good foot. And it works most, most of the time. And <laughs> the rest of the time, it's because they're not in UMass. And it's because <laughs> they're working like in some European soccer club and they don't understand my, my language, maybe. They don't understand English. <laughs> that's fair. Versus that, I'm sure. You know, it might be that. <laughs> But thank you so much to both of you, Madison and Ari, uh, for your time, your experience, um, your advice. And it's been a pleasure having you. It's great um, to have alumni and you both exemplify what a good McCormack member of the network is uh, coming back and spreading the knowledge, spreading the good word. Appreciate it, Marco. And oh, I got to say, it's really cool for me to be able to, to be on this now. I, I have to say, nice full circle moment for me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, guys, um, I hope you enjoyed this and learned from this. Um, reach out to them on LinkedIn. And yeah, thank you for watching. Mm -hmm. Bye, guys.